3: And that's right, my name is Scott Adams, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today, and today we have a special guest, Leonora Kravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So welcome back to The Scott Adams Show. Yeah, it's a
4: pleasure to be here, just before the holidays.
3: We are going to share with our audience your Christmas articles for the end of the year. You have three of them. Yep. And uh, so we're going to cover that at the end of the show. Um. But first, I want to start off, we're going to be spending a lot of the beginning of the show talking about Colorado and the Supreme Court um, decision uh, out there. You know, there's a lot of ramifications, and people are digesting and peeling this onion. And, you know, I would hate to be a Democrat today. Everything that they accuse Trump of doing, they themselves are doing it's the Demo- that's what everybody's basically saying now is if the Democrats are accusing you of doing something they're the ones doing it
4: they call that projection
3: yeah well they uh, Pelosi talked about the wrap up smear um, you know and then you got the Russian hoax and you got the uh, the you know the segregationists and the Jesse Smollett hoax you know you get all these different hoaxes and it's it's crazy. The wrap up smear, by the way, is when uh, when Nancy Pelosi described what she thought that the Republicans were doing. But you know, it was the Democrats that, that were the only ones able to pull off something like that yeah. because they have the media um, in the palm of their hand. They have you know, and so it's it's we're not going up against a political party. We're going up against the propaganda machine. We're going up against the entire media apparatus. And we're going up against all the corporate money. And we're going up against all the politicians that benefit from that and carry the water for the corporate money. And that's what's behind all the open borders that we see, uh, which is big news these days. You know, they have um, two stadiums. Uh, they're showing two stadiums in this meme, 100,000 each, 200,000 people. And I heard this stat. 2 million people were coming through this border this year. That is 20% of the state of Georgia. 20% of the entire state. Now, I was listening to this guy, his representative from Miami, uh, Jimenez. And, you know, the thing is... Jimenez. Well, it starts with a G. That means it's Jimenez. Jimenez? Okay. (laughs) Jimenez. And... Um, you know, the thing is, is that he, he was he was saying it's done on purpose. And he was talking about how in January they're going to bring up impeachment charges or proceedings uh, for Mayorkas, which is great. Okay. Can't come soon enough, but should have come sooner, actually. But we have this situation where even Jimenez didn't even know why the Democrats do this. I I was a little surprised that his answer was, I know it's on purpose, but I don't know what what the motivating factor is. And we talk about that. We've been talking about that for years. It's the corporations are paying the politicians to keep the borders open so that they can get access to the slave labor. And it's a twofer. They also are using motor voter uh, systems to give these individuals IDs, many of these individuals don't get a hearing date until 2031 to 2033. So that's eight to 10 years from now, right? They get a hearing date. So they have instead of them sitting outside of the country for the eight to 10 years waiting for their hearing date, they actually have the ability to stay inside our country, and the the money that they want uh that they keep requesting Jean-Pierre, Christine, Jean-Pierre uh all K- these d- mm. what K- Kareen Jean-Pierre
4: KJP yeah Kareen Jean-Pierre as um, Tucker likes to say that
3: they, they just want to process more people you know and we already have Mayorkas and uh Biden st- stating on tape that they want they want uh um, America to be a minority white country, and all this, it's like eugenics, or it's, it's uh, social engineering. It's, it's crazy. And of course, the only people that are going to have to sacrifice are the middle class, which is exactly what they're trying to do. The only way that the middle class can get beaten is by flooding other potential middle class-seeking individuals Give them a leg up by gov- giving them government subsidies. and Because these people are being flown all over the place and being given sub- stipends. And while the middle class has to go to work every single day to pay the bills. And they're getting affordable housing. They're getting um, food for money. They're getting food for housing. They're getting food. They're getting jobs working in slave labor. The corporations are benefiting from it. While the debt in our country goes sky high, $34 trillion. So here we are, and all of these people eventually in the next 8 to 10 years that they're here are going to be taking low, uh, they're going to be driving wages down. They're going to be uh, taking manufacturing jobs, the little that are left, because most of that's gone to China. And this is what we're dealing with. The middle, they're crushing the middle class. And by crushing the middle class, it makes them all collapse. So it's a pile of rubble down at the bottom. So then you have the haves and the have-nots. You have the biggest uh, d- gap between the haves and have-nots that we've ever seen in our country. And every liberal city has that same dynamic. They have a big wealth gap. The elite and the super poor With no middle class. Every liberal area in our country is that way. There's no middle class. It's either you're a servant or you're a rich person. There's no in between. And cities like Philadelphia, with their business privilege tax, it used to be called, jobs have gone out to the suburbs. So the only people that are left are the people selling hot dogs or the people um, at the top of the ladder that are are you know um, uh, living rich.
4: Well, the majority of the time that I lived in Philadelphia, I worked outside of Philadelphia. I worked in Delaware. I worked in South Jersey. Right. The only time I was able to find a job in Philadelphia itself was when I worked for nonprofits. That's
3: right. And then right. I yeah,
4: and then then I could walk to work, so that wasn't bad. But but that's the problem with Philadelphia.
3: So so who else agrees with this? No Trump. No tourism. Hmm. Boycott Colorado.
4: Hmm. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to start to see
3: that. You know, we're going to pull a Bud Light on on Colorado. It's ski season, right?
4: Right. Ski season. What about summer tourism? They have great summer tourism as well. Yeah,
3: why would you ever want to go to Colorado if they're going to stand for this kind of Banana Republic uh, behavior? Yeah. It's insane. Oh, but you know who's going to fix the problem? Rona McDaniel yeah, well she's yeah. been terrible so she Ronan has McDaniel, been
4: absolutely terrible
3: Rona McDaniel tweeted out the Colorado case showed the Democrats are terrified of democracy that's just such a BS statement the RNC has filed briefs, they're not terrified of democracy, they figured out a way to rig the system and ta- seize power without without uh, having to run against Trump <laughs> that's what they did yep Uh, The RNC has filed briefs. Oh, we filed briefs in court to fight this exact kind of interference in Minnesota and Michigan where our arguments have been successful. Oh, wow. So I said, Ronald McDaniel is the fox guarding the hen house. I'm as comfortable about her handling the Colorado Supreme Court election interference case as I am DHS. And Majorca is handling border security, or the FBI investigating the Russian hoax, or the Department of Justice handling the Epstein case, or the CIA, you know, meddling in Ukraine. I'm about as comfortable with Ronald McDaniel saying she's got Trump's back uh, than I am, uh, you know, with any of those other examples I gave. It's insane that we have. Not only a Democrat party that's ruthless and uses their Gestapo police like Christopher Ray and uh, Merrick Garland to uh, um, to go against us, but we don't even have our own party. Our own party has turned their backs on us, like Mitt Romney and Ronald McDaniel, his cousin. His, uh, niece.
4: his, his niece, yeah. In fact, uh, Trump had, had her get rid of the name or suggested that she get rid of the Romney out of her name. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
3: So, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, this is the first time caller. Uh, no, I've actually seen your number call in before.
5: <laughs> okay, so I got a chance to hear about our uh, discussion. I'm in. Merry Christmas to everybody.
3: Merry Christmas. And could you speak up a little louder? You're coming in a little low.
5: So thank you uh, yeah. for taking my call. Uh, I was thinking about a petition uh, for uh, her removal, and then circulate it, and then send it to Trump.
3: Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's an idea. Um, but you know, we had an election, and she controls the RNC like a iron fit with an iron fist because she's she. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but she got a whole bunch of Botox and a whole bunch of fancy clothes, and. Um, it just seems to me like she's getting rich off of the slush fund that is the RNC.
5: Yeah, well, I have to uh, agree with that. That's the shortness of my uh, call-in. And uh, just to see what is, how far a suggestion would go if it's well-defined. And uh, look forward to uh, There's uh, not happy a holiday.
3: Happy holiday. There's not a Trump supporter alive that support that likes what Ronald McDaniel has done. Not one Trump supporter. And Trump's support is over 70% of the Republican party. And so you have to ask me, you know, I have to ask you how in the world has she gotten reelected when she's completely out of touch with the RNC?
5: Okay. The the answer is the network of fundraising. Yeah. So uh, we had a lot of complaints in 2016, you know, like say if you're getting along with people uh, from so many states in your national broadcast, people would call in. And so they had people like us, let's say I had like 25 friends and I wanted to give to Trump, you know? And uh, so we would say, we'll go through the local RNC uh, representative and we'll present our pledges. So the RNC would blacklist me and tell the, uh, my twenty-five friends that I was a bad person and I wouldn't turn in the money. You know, what I mean, we're just doing a little grassroots effort, and we never knew where the money was going.
3: <clears throat> yeah,
5: right. So that's what they—that's what they're doing. They're, they—you know—they say because that's the big question. So, what are you doing with the money? Where's the money going? And and so, uh, then there are people that are protesting and saying, "Don't do that because it affects." Other plans that Trump can take part in. Well, that's up to that's up to us.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I I forget Harmeet Dillon. That's who I wanted to run the show over there, and she should have she should have gotten the votes. But yeah, it's, a, it's an
5: I agree. Yeah. So the they were intercepting the the donor pledges. Right. And, uh, and, uh, so that would discourage a lot of, that's where it started. People started saying, you know, uh, it's sort of like you take the, uh, you sit in the back seat and we'll do what we want with your, with your money as we see fit, but it would never get to Trump. And the person that organized it, you know, there's a lot of people that have their bread and uh, they have their, uh, breakfast club, political groups, you know, or potluck groups. We even have one over here, and it, it could be like fifty people, and we'll say, "Okay, we want to give uh, money to uh, a MAGA supporter," uh, and uh, it would never get to them. The RNC would take it, and they, and and then we'd wonder, "Well, why didn't they get an advertisement in the jurisdiction? Because the RNC didn't use the money to pay for one."
3: Right hey well thank you for for,
5: best. yeah
3: yeah thanks for calling in today
5: great happy holiday all right happy holidays holidays.
3: happy holidays all right yeah we're going to get a lot of um happy holiday wishes uh and we're giving them out
4: we're definitely giving uh, them out as well
3: (laughs) um we want to give out our holiday wishes this is really kind of our christmas show right leonora i mean it's not
4: kind of it is
3: (laughs) this is the uh show before christmas right
4: yes it absolutely is
3: So, uh, you know, um, all right. So I have a couple of audio uh, clips. But before I do that, uh, Donald Trump truthed out. Crooked Joe Biden is the insurrectionist because he let millions of unknown people come recklessly and unchecked through our insane open border. Let a war begin in the Middle East and Ukraine weaponized our DOJ and FBI surrendered in Afghanistan when we could have left with dignity and strength. The most embarrassing event in the history of our country and is destroying America with the Green New Scam. I'm telling you, the Green News scam. So this guy named Mike Davis, he's on Nigel Farage. I love Mike Davis. He's so smart, and he's an attorney. He weighed in on this, and uh, he's talking about the Colorado case. And let's take a listen to this.
6: Well, that is the game plan by these Democrat lawyers and these Democrat activist judges. They wanted to go to a deep blue state of Colorado and establish this Precedent, this abomination of a legal precedent is clearly wrong, clearly unconstitutional. But you have four of the seven left wing judges just going along with this illegal, unconstitutional ruling. And then they want to take this on the road. They want to use this as precedent in actual swing states like Michigan, like Minnesota, like New Hampshire. They they fear they cannot beat President Trump on November 5th. 2024, after they've impeached him twice for nonsense, indicted him four times for non-crimes, illegally gagged him twice, tried to bankrupt his business. And now this is their legal Hail Mary to just take him off the ballot, to dis- disenfranchise millions of American voters. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, look, the whole thing is just disgusting, but it will go, of course, necessarily at some point. You know, this is a ultimately it's a federal matter isn't it rather than a state matter Does't this go to the Supreme Court? Don't the Supreme Court when they look at this overturn it in the interests of democracy? yeah, I mean even the Democrats
6: have said that these four justices went too far. they jumped the shark and the Supreme Court of the United States they have lifetime tenure, they have pay protection they're supposed to be insulated from the politics and they need to step up and do their job here and reverse this egregiously unconstitutional ruling by these four left-wing justices on the Colorado Supreme Court, because this is how we're going to destroy our country if they don't.
2: Well, the worry, of course, is that if you take away from people the right to vote democratically, they might start to take matters into their own hands. Uh, And boy, you know, if that happened, there really might be a genuine insurrection in America. it, It is genuinely worrying. Now, let me ask you, Mike as someone that's worked at the Supreme Court, how quickly could they move on something like this?
6: Well, they need to move very fast. They just moved for expedited briefing on Jack Smith's extraordinary request to skip the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and have the Supreme Court Railroad president trump faster before the election the supreme court if it wants to could decide this very fast and it needs to decide this fast because colorado needs to print the, the <clears throat> ballots in january to be ready for the march
3: wow primary.
2: right okay okay yeah so the is in march yeah they so they will move quickly won't they surely they will there'll be demands that they move quickly
6: Well, I'll tell you this. They have discretionary review. They don't have to take this case, but our country is going to fall apart if Democrat operatives, including on the bench, think that they can just disenfranchise American voters and they don't get to choose who they want to be their president on November 5th, 2024.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. This is a banana republic. Totally. So the Supreme Court has to do something. Now, here is... The statute is... 18 US code 2383 rebellion or insurrection. It says here whoever incites, sets on foot, assists or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws therein thereof or gives aid or comfort therefore to shall there, thereto shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. Okay. Well, he never got thrown into prison. He was never arrested for that. But notice there where it doesn't say anything about that. It says engages in. It doesn't say found guilty of. Right. So then, disqualification under Section three of Fourteenth Amendment requires federal criminal conviction with evidence beyond reasonable doubt, unanimous jury, and conviction upheld on appeal for rebellion or insurrection under 18 U.S.C. 2383. So that's what the Section 3, 14th Amendment is about. It's to address the 18 U.S. Code 2383 rebellion or insurrection, which J6 number one wasn't even an insurrection. They would never, ever get anybody found guilty of that because mm-hmm. that was not an insurrection. There right. was no weapons. Right. Trump said peaceful. Uh, they cherry picked the Colorado Supreme Court. Yeah. The words out of the speech, but they never s- said the uh, the exculpatory Bra- Brady Bill. Right. Um, uh, exculpatory um, uh, bill uh, words like peacefully and patriotically. Right.
4: Which is what he said. Yeah.
3: So I mean, it's it's about the context, right? Mm-hmm. So he never was calling for anybody to violate any law. Then you have Clay Higgins, who basically was saying, you know, that there was just a lot more going on there than meets the eye with the FBI embedded in trapping and, you know, putting the fix in. Nevertheless, this MSNBC decided to air this guy. And here's what he has to say. He's he's a left wing nut.
7: Actually is one of the uh, most pro-democracy provisions in the constitution of the united states it keeps throwing the word democracy and, around in section three in particular the constitution tells us that uh, it is not the disqualification of a person under section three that is anti-democratic but, but rather it is the conduct that can give rise to disqualification under the 14th Amendment. This is the constitution of the American people. This is not a political question. It's not a political issue. Uh, and the ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court yesterday is not a political decision in any sense whatsoever. It was a pure and majestic a judicial opinion of constitutional
3: law alright so there's two ways to spin <laughs> that right um, and we have this guy here let's take a listen to uh, um, uh, let's take a I'll, I'll give you his name in a second
8: Laura, I think it's a very sad day for our country. I thought yesterday was a very sad day. Chris Landau, former Thomas
3: former Thomas and Scalia law clerk. Okay, so let's take a listen to this guy.
8: Otto, uh, And to see the president of the United States endorsing that, uh, frankly, just rub salt in the wound, especially since uh, nobody has charged President Trump. With insurrection, which is a federal crime at 18 USC 2383, there is a specific crime of insurrection. Jack Smith didn't even bring that charge against Trump, much less convict him of insurrection. So
3: that's because he couldn't see he couldn't he couldn't convict him because he had no evidence. There was no, and not only that, but the the exculpatory discovery evidence would have completely uh destroyed the pelosi narrative and liz cheney and adam kissinger
8: again the idea that it's so obvious as the president says that he's an insurrectionist well if it was that obvious why didn't you bring that charge to a jury then because they don't want to defend that charge so conveniently courts are applying this clause of the constitution without even ever having anybody tried on this particular for this particular crime
9: And, Mike, is the president not trying to not just torpedo the election next year, but also torpedo a future presidency of Donald Trump? So if Donald Trump wins, then he he, he wins. And then the former president says, oh, the country elected an insurrectionist. Don't listen to him. This guy didn't believe in democracy. This guy wanted to overthrow the government. So he's actually torpedoing things on multiple levels With that inflammatory comment today.
6: There's no question. And remember, this lawfare against President Trump started with President Biden. It was President Biden who had his deputy White House counsel, Jonathan Su, waive President Trump's claim of executive privilege (laughs) that led to the unprecedented unnecessary and unlawful home raid on the office of former president for, for presidential records that President Trump was allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. It was senior Biden Justice Department, Department official Matthew Colangelo that went from the number three office in the Justice Department to Alvin Bragg's office in New York to resurrect a zombie case against President Trump for a, under a bogus legal theory, a theory that the Federal Election Commission passed on, the prior Manhattan D.A., passed on. The current Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, passed on. Uh, and it was only resurrected when Biden sent Matthew Colangelo to to Manhattan. This is lawfare driven by President Biden. And this is very destructive to our country.
9: Well, they they can't actually tell America credibly, can they, that their lives are getting better, that they have more money in their pocket, they have more buying power. Yeah,
3: we, we know where that's going. But uh, yeah, that's interesting that that piece right there that we just heard. All right, so um, let's take a listen to a little bit more Mike Davis on this issue.
6: But it's possible because four Democrat hacks on the Colorado Supreme Court just decreed that Trump somehow committed an insurrection on January 6th, and they think that they have the, the power, these four Colorado Supreme Court Democrat justices think they have the power to disenfranchise over a million Colorado voters who want to support Donald Trump in 2024. And they think they can do this under a bogus legal theory peddled by Democrat operatives. And it's this. After the Civil War, Congress Congress passed the 14th Amendment, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, to outlaw slavery, to, to ensure due process and equal protection, uh, and to uh, to to ensure voting rights to the freed uh, male slaves, uh, as part of the. By board- the way,
3: all three of those that helped the black people have their dignity. Their yes, p- absolutely. Three, uh, more than three fifths of a man and the yeah. right to vote. Yeah, they were all pushed by the Republican Party,
4: of course. And people forget that. And
3: the Democrats were fighting tooth and nail, yeah. against it. And that was all part of the first. Republican Party, which was the Lincoln Party that was elected. It wasn't the first one that ran. It was 1854 when the first Republican ran and lost to Buchanan, but then uh, the first Republican president ran again in... um, Well, let's see. The Republican Party was started in 1854. In 18, I guess, 56, there was an election. Buchanan won. He was a Democrat. Uh, And... And then it was Lincoln, their second time out, in their second Repub- election where a Republican existed, Yeah, it was Lincoln mm. in 1860.
6: 14th Amendment, what you saw was after the Civil War, these Confederate sympathizers who engaged in insurrection or rebellion were winning elected offices after the Civil War. And they were undermining the post-Civil War Reconstruction effort and the Union, right? And they were winning offices like, for example, the House of Representatives, So as part of the 14th Amendment, they included Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which disqualifies those who engaged in insurrection or rebellion. But the problem is is that's not self-executing. And in order to disqualify under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Congress has to pass a federal criminal statute, which Congress did in 1869. It's still on the books. And if you want to disqualify someone for insurrection or rebellion, you have to bring federal criminal charges— in federal court, with a federal grand jury indicting, uh, a federal jury finding guilt unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt, the judge convicting in the federal appellate courts upholding that conviction. That is the only way you can disqualify under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. You can't have these goofball state prosecutors and state judges and uh, uh, secretaries of state just say you know we don't we don't like trump we think he engaged in insurrection so we're just going to take him off the ballot in our state that is un-american
8: that's how you destroy a country how do you even have jurisdiction how can how can a court that's two thousand miles away from washington dc say that trump committed an insurrection when congress where when donald trump was impeached for this said he didn't So who's who has the power here? This does seem like a separations of powers thing. It does seem like an absolute constitutional crisis.
6: Well, it is. And you have this biased Democrat judge in Colorado, Sarah Wallace. She donated to an anti-Trump January 6th PAC to chase Republicans out of office. She did that in October of 2022 after the Democrat governor chose her to be a Denver district court judge in October. She made this donation or excuse me in august she made this donation in october and she started as a denver district court judge in january so she knew she was going to be a judge she made this donation in october and then when trump's lawyers raised this in a recusal motion she said oh yeah i forgot that i made this donation but i can still be fair well that's not the legal standard right and so what she did is she plowed the ground for these left-wing activists she she found that there's somehow an insurrection how many insurrectionists Go unarmed into a nation's capital, walk through velvet ropes, follow police direction, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. and don't burn down the damn place. January 6th was a lawful protest permitted by the National Park Service that devolved into a riot, right? It was not an insurrection. That is just silly to say it's an insurrection. If it were an insurrection, Jack Smith, who is a partisan bulldog, would have charged President Trump for insurrection. The reason Jack Smith has not charged for insurrection is the evidence does not exist.
3: Yeah, that's that's case closed. Uh, The Supreme Court needs to pick this up and quick. Right. Let's take a listen to Tucker Carlson. He had something to say about the actual end of democracy. He made a good commentary here.
10: This was pretty puzzling to watch. Whatever else January 6th was, and in some ways we still don't know exactly what it was, it was not a Trump-led insurrection. The crowd had no guns. They had no plan to overthrow the government. Nothing like that has ever emerged. And above all, Trump was not leading it. He was miles away at the White House at the time, where he issued a public statement calling for calm and nonviolence. So why were the people on television telling us that Trump led an insurrection? This was, of course, a lie, but it was also a very obvious lie. So clearly we were watching the rollout of a talking point, words crafted for a specific purpose. But what was the purpose? We got an answer to that question yesterday when the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that because he led an insurrection, Donald Trump's name cannot appear on the state's ballot next fall. The four liberal judges who concluded this Cited as their justification Article 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was written in 1868 to keep former Confederate officials from holding office. That was the sum total of their reasoning. Despite the fact Donald Trump has never been convicted by any court of insurrection, and although the 14th Amendment specifically does not apply to the presidency, Donald Trump cannot run for president because he's an insurrectionist. This seemed like lunacy because it was lunacy. 3,000 miles away in El Salvador, there was no question about what was happening. The United States has lost its ability to lecture any other country about, quote, democracy, wrote Salvadoran President Naive Bukele. And yet in this country, no one on the left dared say that. Instead, Donald Trump's enemies celebrated. The Atlantic magazine expressed gratitude that unelected judges had, quote, rescued the country from the desires of voters. Because actually... That's democracy. And then there was Jenna Griswold. That's the Colorado Secretary of State. You may not have seen her before, but you will instantly recognize the category she represents. Unhappy 39-year-old liberal women with Ivy League degrees and a deep streak of authoritarian impulses. Here's Griswold on MSNBC last night explaining that a conventional legal process is no longer necessary for the left to get its way. No more trials or evidence or jury verdicts. An accusation made on television is now enough to remove a frontrunner from the presidential race. If Nancy Pelosi and Joe Scarborough call you bad, Americans are not allowed to vote for you.
9: Watch. Look, I believe he incited the insurrection. There were big questions around Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and the Colorado Supreme Court has weighed in in a very loud way, making themselves clear. Frankly, we've never had a president try to steal the presidency and engage in insurrection. Uh, ever before. So Trump's actions are unprecedented. The Colorado Supreme Court confirmed that the district court got it right, that he did engage in insurrection. I think uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has to apply to the presidency because if not, it's a get out of jail free card. And in a country of laws where no
3: man is, is above another um, we can't Give me have a break one office be able to do in whatever a land they want of two when the standards of justice.
9: and then be able to be seated in office again.
10: None of this seems very American. All of it looks like the actual end of democracy.
3: Wow. Okay. That was hard to listen to. So this yes. is a little bit lighter. Uh, this is lighter. Uh, this is Joe Rogan and Tim Dillon on how far the deep state will go to stop Trump. And it's helping Trump
6: like how far will they take it like if he keeps getting bigger
0: because it seems like at least in public perception the the more they come after him the bigger he gets yeah because the more people realize the game right they're like oh my god this is like banana republic shit you're prosecuting your political opponent yes and you're doing it specifically
6: to time the trials around like Republican conventions primaries all these different. you're doing it on purpose right it's pretty clear right so Everyone's like more and more supportive of
7: him than ever. So, right. how far will they go, and how far can they? I don't go? know. I think he'll run the joint from the can. I think. <laughs> he'll, I think he'll run the country from prison. I mean, I think he'll run it from a federal prison. I mean, it might get to the point where we possible? have the first mafia president where he's in federal prison in <sighs> Palm Beach and he's running the country.
0: Yeah, is that is that possible? I don't
7: think they'll kill him. I don't think they kill anyone anymore. Mm. I don't think they kill anyone anymore. They don't seem to. They're torturing Assange. They'll bleed you out slowly. Assange thing is wild. But they don't seem to be killing anyone anymore the way they used to kill everyone. MLK, JFK, RFK. Everyone died. But now they're not killing people nearly as much. There's a few people People disappear a little bit. Connected to the Epstein case. They go. They, they got to go. <laughs> they absolutely few of those guys. I <laughs> take this off. I think I'm allergic to it. <laughs> that one guy. I mean, it's crazy. The one
0: guy that yeah. uh, thirty miles from his house, he hung himself oh, with an yeah? electric cord and then shot himself in the chest <laughs> with a shotgun. That's right. Or there that was a guy was. in Palm Beach. They found him in his pool. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've seen Franny was in a the pool. There's a few of those Well they gotta
7: tie up the loose ends.
0: There's a few of those loose ends
7: that have oh, to get tied up. They gotta tie up those loose ends. Yeah, there's a few Without of those. a doubt.
3: So it's gotten to be almost a parody, right? Yeah. I mean the world we're living in in America yeah. is a joke. That's the point of that. Yeah. You know, listening to that. It's a joke. So whatever else January 6th was, it was not a Trump-led insurrection. Let's take a listen. It was
1: a setup. I mean, if you clearly have men dressed as Trump supporters walking around inside the Capitol on the other side of police officers who are, to one extent or another, not engaged with them, like they're not concerned about them, then you have right. a, a set of closed doors, like exterior doors and interior Doors closed and you have police officers positioned outside and then in, the, in between the two doors and then on the inside of the second set of doors. Doors weren't open yet. What so time if you have was video, this? Um, this was a, a couple of the videos that like, Trump was still speaking. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being open?
0: Again, I had to be very
11: careful. It should what be I- a No.
1: Can you not known? tell the American people, no. No. We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time 6. has expired. You should
0: not read anything into my Weasel.
5: decision uh,
0: not to share information.
1: Director, Ray,
5: gentlemen's time has expired.
1: We have other evidence, specific observations of police officers, Capitol Police, or Metro both Higgins, entering rooms... And here in the Capitol, in uniform, and coming out as Trump supporters and construction
3: workers. It was a setup. Should be a no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it should be no. That I love should how be your say, answer, the sir.
4: time has expired. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely nuts. All right. So we got uh, um, a couple more things I wanted to share with you. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Justin, only three names will remain sealed out of the 150 names of the associates connected to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell uh, set to be released in the new year, like I think on January 1st. Wow. 13 people fought to keep their names sealed, however, were unsuccessful. Wow. The three names that will remain sealed were classic outsiders peripheral to the events at issue. I'm thinking Alan Dershowitz is one of them. (laughs) And it's one of the three. Um, And weren't associated with Epstein. So he's going to play himself off as being an attorney. Yeah. I was there uh, from, you know, legal to, you know.
4: That they were there for a different purpose. Yeah. Than the. uh,
3: I was his counsel.
4: Than the uh, assumed purpose.
3: Yeah. I bet you. I bet you Dershowitz is one of them. Yeah. You may Um, be right.
4: But we won't know because if it is him, his name is sealed.
3: Hey, I may be right. I may be crazy. Turn out the lights. I, I, I don't. Well, I don't
4: remember the rest of the song, so you'll have to sing it.
3: You may be right. You make me crazy. I
4: might be crazy.
3: Oh yeah, something like that. Yeah. This latest release will apparently have limited redactions and thus possibly fill in some of the listening uh, lingering questions. So let's take a listen to this. Okay. This is um, Epstein's deposition. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. This is Epstein before he was Please dead, your full name before he was off. I'm
0: Jeffrey Edward Epstein, and my residence address is 6100 Red Hook Boulevard in Virgin Islands. Do you maintain any other residences presently?
12: I have vacation homes in New Mexico, uh, Palm
0: Beach, New York, and Paris. Nice. Have you ever been convicted of a crime? Yes. What was the crime of which you were convicted? It, two uh, counts one a soliciting prostitution and procuring a minor for prostitution do you in fact commit those acts I'm gonna invoke my fifth amendment right how many times have you solicited a minor for prostitution same answer how many times have you solicited a minor for prostitution in the state of Florida same answer have you ever solicited a minor for prostitution in the Virgin Islands same answer. That is, the you are invoking well, your Fifth Amendment? Yes, sir. right. Yes, Mrs. Have you ever solicited for prostitution in New York? Same answer. Have you ever solicited, solicited for prostitution in New Mexico? Same answer. Have you ever solicited for prostitution in Paris? Same answer. Have you ever solicited a minor for prostitution anywhere at any time? Again, I'm going to assert my right. We're going to go off right So you are terminating the deposition at this time.
4: the recess of
3: the deposition. Boom. Well, (laughs) it's kind of interesting to hear his voice and to hear that. Yeah, it's
4: hard to believe that that was four years ago that he died.
3: So here is uh, the World Economic Forum spokesperson Yuval Harari uh, to let you know a little bit about what we're up against. Let's take a listen.
11: One of the biggest things happening in the world right now is a shift in authority from humans to algorithms, to AI. Now, increasingly, this decision about you, about your life, is done by an AI. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have you know this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election, or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. We may see humankind splitting into biological castes. With the rise of bioengineering, it might be possible to translate economic inequality into biological inequality. And then instead of humankind being united, we will see humankind splitting into castes or classes, and most humans will become economically useless and politically powerless. Already today, we are beginning to see the creation of a new class of humans, the useless class. Not unemployed, but unemployable. The useless class.
3: People who
11: don't have any skills that the new economy needs. Just as the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century created the new working class, the proletariat. So now the artificial intelligence revolution is beginning to create the useless class. A class that has no military or economic usefulness and therefore, also no political power. And then, the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be: What do we need humans for, or at least, what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, at present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Well, it's already happening. Uh, in, in, in under. Different titles, different headings, you see more and more people spending more and more time or uh, uh, solving their inner problems with uh, uh, drugs and computer games, both legal drugs and illegal drugs. Then it comes to worst, when the flood comes, the scientists will build a Noah's Ark for the elite. Leaving the rest to drown, the rest of the people and then the rest of the, of the ecosystem. But they are likely to be able to construct this technological noise arc, which is probably what much of the elite is, is counting on. That doesn't look too rosy for the future.
3: <laughs> no, these are the doesn't people. doesn't look that, too rosy for the future. These are the people at the top of the food chain. And it's a bit scary. It yeah. really is. Okay, I got one more clip, and then we're going to go over to Leonora um, and talk about your articles and Christmas. Ever wonder how our career politicians sport lavish lifestyles with fat bank accounts while the nation's debt meter keeps racing? Mm
12: -hmm.
3: Yeah, me too. All right, let's take a listen to this.
12: Ever wondered how some of our career politicians sport lavish lifestyles and fat bank accounts while the nation's debt meter keeps racing? yeah me too and guess what the plot thickens when you realize that this merry band of millionaires seems to have one glaring thing in common they're not sending christmas cards to donald trump anytime soon every single one hates donald trump it's not because they're for the people come on do you think they give a about you really wake up they've had their chance for 30 plus years Trump isn't the source of any of the issues that are going on, and if you think he is, your critical thinking skills are that of a two-year-old. The media sits there and blames Trump for all the issues, yet doesn't even mention these old, miserable, rich people. Trump is f***ing funny and has a personality, and just overall is a real guy. Watching these soulless Congress members make millions while throwing us into debt and still having the f***ing audacity to say trump is an issue and people listening to them is disgusting that's why they are coming after him let's kick it off with some numbers richard blumenthal is flaunting a cool 70 million dollars while angus king's got about 10 million dollars stashed away john mccain left behind a legacy and around 16 million dollars and mitch mcconnell's probably got a vault somewhere with his 22.5 million dollars Meanwhile, Joe Biden's resting easy with his $10 million. But even he's dwarfed by Nancy Pelosi, who's basically the Scrooge McDuck of this group with a whopping $115 million. And let's not forget the others in the Millionaire Club. Chuck Schumer, $81 million in assets. Dianne Feinstein, $88 million. Lisa Murkowski, $3 million. Liz Cheney, $15 million. Susan M. Collins, $45 million. Mitt Romney, $215 million. Dick Cheney, $150 million. Hillary Clinton 32 million Bill Clinton 120 million George W Bush 50 million Barack Obama 70 million their earnings way beyond their government salaries now if we take a step back it's pretty clear that a one hundred seventy four thousand dollars annual salary is decent but considering they've thrown us into debt their money management skills are awful so how is it that they can turn their salary into multi millions but drown us in debt So unless these folks are sitting on pots of gold they found at the end of rainbows, there's more to the story. Investments? Perhaps. Side hustles? Maybe. But the numbers are way too big for it all to be a coincidence. And what's even more puzzling is how these very politicians, sitting atop their golden thrones, have overseen a country that sunk $33 trillion into debt. It's like watching your roommate buy designer outfits while they owe you rent let me throw in a few people who aren't from congress or the senate but are coming after trump jack smith twenty million dollar net worth with an annual salary of one hundred sixty thousand what about Fonnie willis with a net worth of five million making two hundred thousand a year the heart of the matter is simple yet profound there's an unsettling disconnect between those who lead us and the fiscal reality they've curated if they're genuinely public servants Then why does it feel like the public is serving them? It's high time we demand transparency, hold our representatives accountable, and understand the intricate dance between power, wealth, and politics. Because if the narrative remains unchallenged, we might just find our nation's pockets turned inside out while theirs remain comfortably full.
3: Well. That was powerful. All right, Leonora. Okay, you have three articles, and I want you to talk about the three articles over at spectator.org.
4: Right, so one article that I had that came out um, about 10 days ago was The Warner Brothers and American Cinema. It was a review of a book called The Warner Warner Brothers by the writer Chris Yogurst, which talks about the history of the Warner Brothers studio. It talks about the family, the four brothers who founded the studio and their roles in society, and it's really interesting because it gets into the connection between politics and movies. There was a whole collaboration with FDR. So it's, it's a fascinating study um, about how these groups work together, which I've always talked about that, about the intersection between politics and movies. But it also gets into all the interesting history of movies themselves and distribution and marketing and uh, great storytelling the other um, article that I have up is, the second article, is about Christmas uh, movies that I recommend, and the three...
3: To me, that was your best.
4: Yeah. So that yeah. article is called... You know, it is the season for streaming um, Christmas movies. And in that, I picked three movies. One was from 2019 Holiday in the Wild. That's with Kristen Davis and Rob Lowe about a a woman who finds out that her husband wants to divorce her. And and she surprises him with a trip to Zambia beforehand. And that's when she finds out that he wants to divorce her. And she meets Rob Lowe, and it's it's a great story. It's shot in Zambia, and so it's, it's very interesting. The second one is Christmas as Usual, the Norwegian film about a woman who, uh, want, who gets engaged to her Indian boyfriend before Christmas and brings him home to meet her family and the whole cross-cultural dynamics that evolve. And then the third one is... Love Hard, which again plays homage to Love Actually and to Die Hard. And it's about a woman who meets a man online and they get catfish and she gets catfished, but then she later falls in love with him. Stars the wonderful Nina Dobrev and uh, Jimmy O. Yang as uh, the the guy she she falls in love with. And he's wonderful in it. The comedian is very sensitive, so I highly recommend those. And then I have... I saw all
3: three. I loved all three. I loved all three.
4: And then the last thing, which I may come back and mention again, is I do have a piece of about trading places which is a new year's eve movie but it is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year so uh stay tuned for that one that hasn't been published trading
3: places yeah what a great movie what a
4: great movie and more about that the next time i come on
3: Great! Yeah, and where can they find?
4: Uh, go to spectator.org and look up uh, Leonora Cravoda. I'm on the front page, um, but uh, if you have to search for, but if my art, if I don't have an article immediately up, just go just under Google L,
3: Leonora Kravota spectator. .org, and, and you'll find everything I've written. You'll find I've your written. authors yeah. page exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I want to wish everybody a happy and merry Christmas um, and a happy new year and happy holidays in case you don't celebrate Christmas. But Hanukkah is already over. Anyway, Hanukkah
4: already over. So um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. everybody. And to all a good night, even
3: and though it's so, still morning. So be sure to check out Magapack. Make a donation if you can to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free like we do. And also, if you go and buy a pillow or two, uh, use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. And with that, my name is Scott Adams.
4: My name is Leonora Corveta.
3: And we'll see you next time on the radio. It'll be after Christmas, probably. Like, It'll uh, yeah. definitely be after Christmas. All right. Take care, everybody.
0: We're a stand. The mound's getting steeper.
3: They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to bed.